Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, and joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. Um, we are coming to you yet again, uh, you know, starting with some less than favorable topics. Um, since the last time we spoke last week, uh, there have have been quite a few changes, Um at Michigan State University, um, pretty much none of them good. Uh, in case you've somehow been living under a rock for the last uh, week or so, um, th- there have been just some massive changes. Not only you know in the in the sports element of Michigan State, but uh, across the board. Um, you know, notice, notably with Luana K. Simon, the president, stepping down in the wake of the Larry Nassar scandal uh, and conviction. And before we even get into that, I, I just want to start by sort of prefacing this this podcast with um, just a statement about, you know, John and myself. Some people have, have asked for, you know, more podcasts to be talking about these issues and sort of, sort of like shedding more light on everything. Um and kind of giving our our opinions on on this matter, and I just want to say up front that you know we are not journalists, we are not legal experts. Uh, we are going to talk about these issues in as responsible a manner as we possibly can. Um, now, listen, we're going to give our our two cents, but we will refrain uh, from speculating at all as to anything that is in the future because simply we are not educated enough to uh to give you um intelligent dialogue on that topic so i you know because of that we definitely want to suggest that you follow uh lsj news state news free press um outlets that have done a really good job on on covering these topics um and have done so in great detail and um really not showing any any homerism or bias or anything like that. You're going to get really solid objective reporting from those outlets. So when it comes to, you know, uh, real in-depth journalism and and trying to straighten everything out, I would suggest you follow them. But um, again, to, to talk about everything, so we'll just um, circle back to last Friday, uh, early in the morning, Athletic Director Mark Hollis announced his uh, retirement, resignation, whatever you want to call it, uh, from Michigan State after I think it was about 10 years. Um, again, I, I think this this seemed somewhat inevitable um, after you know running the athletic department that allowed Larry Nassar to become such a such a vile figure. Um, and then mere hours after he uh, steps down, 
um, ESPN's Outside the Lines drops a what can only really be described as a, a bombshell article, um, bringing to light and you know in a way re bringing to light um, uh, several many uh, past sexual assault allegations um, that had taken place in the football and basketball programs under the watch of of Mark D'Antonio and Tom Izzo. Um, that same day, uh, both coaches addressed the media. The first was D'Antonio coming out um, and, and really vehemently denying uh, allegations of mishandling any reporting um, uh, of sexual assault in his program. Uh, he came out really stern, uh, answered a couple questions, and said that he had cooperated with, with everything and he had no, um, no plans to retire. Uh, afterwards, uh, there was actually a, a Michigan State basketball game, which was um, uh, just kind of a strange vibe, to be completely honest. But uh, the the good part was the students were wearing teal to support the uh, sexual assault victims, which I thought was a pretty cool gesture. But uh, after that game, um, Tom Izzo came out, and his his mood was noticeably different than D'Antonio's. It was very subdued um, after the the win over Wisconsin. Um, he said that he had cooperated with any and all investigations in the past and would continue to do so. But, you know, in the moment he was going to continue to concentrate on the survivors. Um, he had a similar message after the win over Maryland on Sunday. Um, during, you know, during that press conference, he was grilled by an outside the lines reporter, uh, who did some, uh, I have to say some, some solid, honest journalism, um, those questions have to be asked and, and, you know, it might not be a fun forum or a place that Tom is, wants to be answering them, but, but she asked honest questions that need answers. So, um, want to applaud, uh, Tisha Thompson for that as well. But, um, that is really sort of where we stand at the moment. Um, we haven't been many, uh, major developments since then. There are, however, you know, the outside the lines article has been a bit of a hot button topic uh, with everybody because of some of the the cases that were brought to light. Um, I guess one of the things that that did happen since then is that uh, Adrian Payne, um, who was named specifically in in one of the cases, um, has been released by the Orlando Magic G League team, and Travis Walton, uh, another person named in. Uh, one of the cases that took place back in 2010, I believe, um, was relieved of his coaching duties or put on put on leave by the uh, Clippers G League team where he was coaching. Uh, Walton has since come out and basically denied um, any of the allegations that came towards him. Uh, some of the some of the major heat around him here had come about how he left the program. Uh, Izzo again in that Maryland presser talked, said he, he didn't remember why, uh, Walton had left the program. A lot of people took issue with that justifiably. So, um, and Walton has come out and he's, he's, he's given the same message that Izzo did, but it's, uh, it's certainly, um, leaves, leaves questions that need to be asked. And John, I'm going to let you jump in here now. Um, and just talk about this outside the lines piece and, and kind of give, I guess, your two cents on it and, and talk about moving forward, I guess. Yeah, no thanks. I think that was a really good recap. Um, kind of brings us up to where we are, at least today. Um, so, 
were we were talking a little bit about what what type what happens next what moves forward and and because of that um it got me thinking you know we live in this society of if then you know and with immediate action um almost knee jerk you know there's a problem and there needs to be an immediate solve right now and unfortunately sometimes in life there is not an immediate solve right now and the immediate solve doesn't always necessarily mean um, somebody losing their job or somebody um, defunding something or somebody making something go away. All, all examples not necessarily related to this case, but my point is you have to have all of the information before you make an informed decision. And following a, the mob or in this case, a group of people who want and are yelling for something, despite maybe not having all the reasoning or the facts to prove why they want what they want. Well, that that's not leadership. You know, that's just that's just being a follower, and it's not fair um, to anyone involved. Um, and I would argue that anyone, including people that that were put. Um, in really difficult situations would would not feel that justice is served if if people were um, fired or let go or whatever it is and we find out later that it, it was done so unjustly what I want to talk more about is journalism Austin you alluded to the fact that we are not journalists um, that is definitely true I think everyone <laughs> who listens to the podcast knows that what I do know and want to implore not only people that read professional journalists, um, but also to the people who, who do write for a living, is to think about um, how, how important their words are. Um, you, you need, I, I would hope that people are always writing for truth and facts and not necessarily for sensationalism and for clicks or for whatever reason it may be. What I'm not going to do is infer that certain entities are doing that more than others, but I am going to say there has been quite a bit of sensationalism that has surrounded this. Um, and essentially what that is, is whether you like it or not, it's a money grab. Um, I think it's really important for anyone who reads any piece of information uh, that, that they go beyond um, and really dig deep and find out sometimes for themselves, get multiple sources before you form an opinion. It's not fair to anyone to just hop on the twitter.com and yell about something because your friend on Facebook said a thing. And I believe that. Or you read a piece that maybe didn't have the full context necessary. And you're going to yell about that and cite it until the day's over because it, it fulfills a narrative that you already wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. This isn't defending Larry Nasser. This is not defending Tom Izzo. This is not defending Mark D'Antonio. This is asking that investigative journalism, like the Outside the Line piece, it can irrefutably tie all of these things together before you just lump it up. Yeah. Because they are, the world isn't black and white. There is a lot of gray. 
okay? And if it were black and white, and I wish it was, because that means we could fire someone or get rid of somebody or do something very quickly to make the Band-Aid and make it better. Hmm. But we can't. So you have to do is find out as much information as we can. And I agree, it needs to be quick. But as much information as we can to make those decisions. And and I just want to, that made me think of a few things. And there's a, there's a psychologist, his name's uh, Victor E. Frankel. And he said that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And I would implore fans, mm. journalists, everybody, coaches, to take that space before they have a reaction. And let's find out all the information and then take that action to the highest extent. Yeah. And, and, and what you're saying is, not, you know, I, I think it's important to, 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 to really emphasize a couple of the things that you said, like especially that this is not in defense of Larry Nassar. This is not in defense of Tom Izzo. This is not in defense of Mark D'Antonio. There are lots of questions that need to be asked of the latter two. Um, the, the former, I think, is is has been – handled appropriately and will continue to be handled appropriately. Um, I think a lot of people, the issue that, that most people took with this outside the lines piece, while it, it covers an, a topic and addresses an issue that obviously is overarching throughout Michigan state university and has been for some time. I think that subject matter is completely fair game. It, it, it's, it raises questions that frankly need to be asked um, I think the, the issue that a lot of people took with it was it wasn't necessarily a, a set of new revelations, uh, a lot, if not all of these, um, cases that they listed out were covered by the local media, were reported on, were taken up through the proper legal channels. Now where I think, and, and a lot of people are latching t- onto that and saying, it, you know, this was handled correctly. Why, you know, ESPN, this is, you know, a a lot of people have called it a hit piece and I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I I agree with, I understand some of the sentiment, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I think, you know, what, what it does is it, I guess the question is, and, and the thing that bothers people is that you have now, ESPN has now linked Larry Nasser, Tom Izzo, and Mark D'Antonio in the same bucket. And I don't, a lot of people, and myself included, don't necessarily find that to be fair. I mean, the questions need to be asked. The issues need to be investigated. There is, this this situation is absolutely, it it necessitates an independent investigation, one that we are going to get. Mm -hmm. Um, But to paint, Tom Izzo and Mark D'Antonio, men that have made mistakes and that will, you know, they are far from perfect. And in this case, they may be guilty of all of the things that they have, that have been brought up. This is again, not defending them, but to paint them in the same light as Larry Nassar without bringing forward any new facts mm-hmm. and without presenting, uh, I mean, anything that was not reported on and taken up through the legal channels correctly is, is uh, it's questionable. 
um, journalism and it feels frankly it feels a little bit dishonest now what i was what i will say is that i think it's fair to ask you know you talk about hey these things were taken up through the proper legal channels and done correctly i think given what we know especially about the prosecutor in the adrian Payne and keith appling case is like okay what does that look like what yep. is that process yep. just because you can say this was handled correctly this was reported to this person who then deemed no charges were necessary you know we, th- th- this is a much larger issue than two sports than two coaches. And to the point that now I've seen that Ingham County is legitimately like revamping their entire process and like diving into some of these issues, because this could go a lot further than these two coaches and the questions need to be asked. But again, the point I think is that Mike Valeni said it really well, um, which I know some people will already dismiss out of hand, but um if you're going to write these inflammatory things, if you're going to lump Izzo and Antonio in with with a with a monster like Larry Nasser, um, I think you need a little more a little more proof to back it up. Um, without, you know, it, yeah. you know, to lump them together is just. But listen, I think at the end of the day, John, you and I feel the same way. If these allegations are true against them, and they and they covered things up, and they uh, I mean, obstructed justice, really, mm-hmm. they need to go. I mean, we, we can't get caught up, and this is another separate point, but Michigan State fans, listen, I have grown up, grown up uh, absolutely worshiping these two men. Like, these are two, two heroes to most Michigan State fans and alumni. And what we can't do as fans, as alumni, as Spartans, is fall victim to this hero worship. These are men. They, it's very possible that the things that have been said about them and the things alleged here happened. We have to, you have to accept that. So, and here's what we're going to do. Like we talked about having the, having a space, we're going to let that hopefully play out Yeah, and find out if our, if our heroes are tainted or are they, uh, or, or they, you know, (laughs) did nothing go wrong. Right. But not everything is so black and white. Like I mentioned, the outside the line piece can be both questionable journalism and also bring up topics that need to be explored yeah, further. Absolutely. It can be both of those things. And that doesn't mean that it, what I'm not going to get into is, you know, there's just seen a lot of throwing, throwing this around out there. You people are, you know, either for or against, pro or con. You can be neither. Right. You can be both. You can say just because you are for something does not necessarily mean you have to be against. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean if the outside the line piece is really crappy journalism, we don't just get to dismiss it and yell fake news. No. Because we don't like it. That's not that's not, not how the real world works. That's not works. the real world. Okay? But, you know, th- that's not, that's, that is just as irresponsible. You can be disappointed in the way that this was brought up and the effect that it, you know, had, but you can't be upset that someone, some large media entity wants these issues to be investigated, frankly, with or without this this piece, mm-hmm. these st- questions still should have been asked. Yes, it, it paints MSU in just an absolutely awful light. But frankly, at this point, yeah, wh- what? what does what has Michigan State done 
to deserve to be painted in a in a in a different light. Because I, I agree with a lot of people. I don't think this was handled overly well by ESPN. Uh, they, you know, and and again, this is I'm not a journalist, but so you know, if if there's if this is standard protocol, I apologize to journalists. But uh, from what I understand, the the article was done in August. Yeah. From what I read, and yet they decide to release it. You know, the Hour. day after, the hours after Hollis resigns, a week after the Nasser stuff comes down, it's very convenient timing, yeah. and that's the that's that's where Michigan State fans, I think, understandably, can feel a little bit, um, a little upset, jilted, yeah, or yeah. But is. at the end of the day, like the, the, this article is accomplishing good. It, it's bringing attention to an issue that needs to be talked about and we have to take take sports out of the equation. And here's the beautiful thing about due process. Yeah. If you if if the people in charge of the programs that we talk about the most on this podcast if they are are truly innocent and did no wrong and everything was handled accordingly then everything will we're going to know. We will know that. You're going to know. And the opposite. And yeah. we will know. And we, uh, I can only speak for myself and Austin, we will be glad to be rid of leadership mm-hmm. if if that is the case. And I'm not insinuating that is the case, but let's take a look. Right. That's the only th- It would be irresponsible not to. Yeah. Because this, at the end of the day, this is a university. This isn't, yes. this isn't uh, a... Uh, two sports teams like this is this yes. is about Michigan State University a place where yeah there's a big a lot of us that love our sports yep there are 45,000 undergrad that go to this school and I guarantee a half of them don't give a shit about Saturdays in the fall yeah so you know yeah. um this is about creating a safe university a university that withholds or excuse me upholds certain standards mm-hmm. that go extend far beyond sports so absolutely it's it it needs to it it needs to be discussed and you know listen I I think we all agree like we just keep saying it over and over I don't think ESPN handled it necessarily the correct way but the questions that they are bringing to the surface don't you don't get to be comfortable when these things come up nope you don't get to be no matter who you are no matter I mean you can be the president you can be the AD you can be the football coach yep. you can be the the basketball coach you can literally be icons people that you plan to build statues for doesn't matter if you're guilty you're guilty and you gotta go so i mean it's it's not fun to talk about um but i think it's a hard truth that that everybody that's associated with the university has to face um we just wanted to this is the most important thing that's going on in michigan state right now and i think i do want to implore everybody above everything else yes we're talking about coaches yes we're talking about ad's don't forget about the the people that had to live this yes. had the survivors the young the young women that had to go through these things alleged or proven it, it it's it's horrendous and in sports i love them i absolutely adore you know michigan state athletics i always have but that takes such a far back seat to human life and human decency and uh i just think that's it's important it's hard to, to remember for some people, but you, it's, it's so much more important than anything we talk about in this podcast most of the time. So wanted to start there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we are going to, we are going to talk sports because here's where, here's where we say, you know, we, 
I, I reflected long and hard or tried to about now what? You know, mm-hmm. What now? What do I do? Yeah. What can I do? <clears throat> I, I'm sitting here and I'm hoping that there will be a swift and positive due process and we will get the answers we need and, and we can move on. Yeah. But, mm. and when I say move on, I mean, I don't necessarily mean forget. No, absolutely not. I mean, mean grow. I mean, take the next step past this one mm-hmm. where we are in flux and wondering. Yeah. So upon that reflection, I thought we can handle this as Spartan affiliated people in one of two ways. We can ignore it, we, no. you know, and be ashamed of it. Or if there, in my opinion, if there was ever a cause, if you were unsure about what to get behind, perhaps it might be this. And in your workplace, in your community, find out how you perhaps can make it a little better. A little safer, perhaps, mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, because I think we owe it as Michigan, as Spartans, to learn from this and not only learn from it, but become the leaders to ensure that this type of stuff yeah. never happens again. Not just in East Lansing, but wherever we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's as simple as walking into your human resources department and asking a few questions and say, what can I do? What are we doing? How do we do this? How do I make sure this type of thing never happens? And it doesn't have to be as extreme as what happened with Dr. Larry Nasser, which is egregious and disgusting. It can be as simple as people that are uncomfortable. Right. And how do we prevent those types of things from happening where we live and work and play? Yeah. And maybe that's the first step as personally tangibly that you could you could take and start to make the world a little better while east lansing tries to make itself a little better yeah absolutely i agree it's very well said um so again you just want to implore everybody to, to use this as a call to action to to make the world a better place so um and and i want to talk about one more thing before we get to the sports Dr. Simon. Oh, yeah. You are gone. But you are not forgotten in my mind because there's some reporting done by the free press that came to my attention. And it made me pretty upset. Um, Simon's contract, even after her resignation, will provide uh, her... Her current salary of $750,000, she can choose to return the faculty, at which point she will get 12-month research leave at that salary. She then will get her current salary for the next year at 75% for the next two years. She will still still get office space and secretarial support. She will get the title of president emeritus, and I don't know. Emeritus. Thanks, Latin, not my thing. (laughs) Continuing on, so based on this contract, it would appear that Dr. Simon will be paid more than twice the amount of the most highly paid faculty member in the College of Education. In addition, she will be paid more than the most highly paid faculty member in the entire university. 
my man, C. Conrad Gelbke, who makes some fine ching because <laughs> he is one of the world's leading, leading physicists. That is not okay. Yeah, I think we don't really like to swear on this podcast, but I think we can both come together and just say, fuck that. Dude, get out of here. Yeah, that's, and here's, you that's want an, bad. You want an actionable item? Bring that up. Congress, if you're a Michigan resident, you're footing that bill. Yeah, that's that's taxpayer money because it's a it's a it's state a university. state university. You don't like that? I don't. I'd I'm not gonna it, yeah. speak. I'm not gonna speak for you. Pick up the phone. Write a letter. That ain't okay. And yeah, and the and and the fact that the you know if the board approves this type of thing, which they have already done so many, some of the members of this board, notably uh, Joel, Ferguson. Joel Ferguson, have said and done some absolutely reprehensible things so far in this process. Uh, let it be known that if they allow this to happen, don't let this just slip through the cracks. No, this like is not if okay. this happens, this is not all right. Like this, 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 and, and I, and I, I, it's just, it's just not okay. And I hope, I have to hope that our interim president, former governor, John Engler, um, Michigan state grad, mm -hmm. will come in and start just, Clean the house up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And feel free to write him and say, start here. Right. You want to think, you want to put a W on the table real quick? <laughs> Knock this crap out. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. So um, that I, I just wanted to bring that to the attention of everyone because there is so much going on. It was very easy for that to just kind of fall, you know, because candidly, it's maybe not as, it's not nearly as important as all of these like, awful things that happen to these young women yeah that said it is an it is a, an egregious thing that needs to be corrected it, yeah. immediately i completely agree so um we do it's not it's not an easy transition but we do actually want to talk about uh about sports um the first thing we actually we're gonna we're gonna start with basketball um played, played a few games yeah a couple of games happened um amidst uh, you know some some crazy circumstances and, and certainly and certainly the most unique circumstances in a terrible way that I've ever watched a basketball game in, and cir in, in and circumstances Wisconsin. that no young man on a roster had anything to do with yeah yeah I just want to remind everyone that if you you can support these young men and still hold your university accountable yeah, as we said last time, it's 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 that's okay. Being critical of the thing that you love is okay. These young men, though, it is important to clarify these these guys had nothing to do with any of this. So, right. um, they, they they understand the confliction, especially with Tom Izzo on the sidelines, and yep. you know. But a lot of this will be you know addressed, I assume, soon. So, um, played Wisconsin. Anyways, <laughs> and dude, this was the first time. Seriously, in my life, that Michigan State played Wisconsin, and I said, "W." Yeah, they're gonna win. Easy. Yeah, it's weird. That was weird. It's really, it's a strange feeling. Uh, Wisconsin, and 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 just again to speak to just the atmosphere that was there that night. It was supposed to, you know, it. I think before Friday, everybody thought that the teal out 
would be a really cool. Like, I kind of expected a bit of a raucous atmosphere, frankly, before all of the news came out on yeah. Friday, because you thought, you know, this student body is banding together around a common cause, and then there's just to, for, for the Izzo element to come into it. It was, it was, uh, you could feel it on TV that it was yeah. a weird situation. Uh, I do again commend the Izzo for. Um, for wearing the teal shirts. I thought that was an awesome, amazing and, gesture. And whoever helps put that together, I'm not sure. That, yeah. That was Patch cool. on the back. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of the actual game, um, Wisconsin is just not very good. I mean, with, they had a couple of guys injured and you can tell why they are, you know, flirting around sub 500. Uh, uh no, not flirting. No, they're under 500. Yeah, yeah. I believe they're 10 and 13 now. Yikes. I mean, they're, they're just not very good. Um, I think in terms of the good, uh, Ethan Happ, man, and I feel bad for that guy. He's having a tough year, dude. He's trying to put this whole team, Darren Sharper style, on his oh, back. back. Dude, that you know, dude just is, can't. You just can't do and it. He's played on good teams. Yeah. So he oh, yeah. not only has he like surrounded by hot garbage, <laughs> but he's like he's seen good. Yeah, like, really. Like he good. knows how bad it is. So yeah. He's very. He's, Acutely aware yeah. of how bad this team, <laughs> which is. is way worse. I feel bad for him, which is way way. Especially worse. knowing that he probably could have bailed last year and like been a first round pick. Like Imagine that's, it's, that team it's gotta be tough. without him. It's bad. I don't it's not like good. That. Um, but the, he, I think, uh, he I got felt his. Well, not really. Like I, statistically, I felt, he did. I felt especially bad for him on this night because I think he was blocked legitimately seven times. Like on paper, I think Nick Ward blocked five of his shots yes. and Jackson blocked two at least. Yeah. And he, I remember at the end, uh, he was shooting free throws, which don't look good. Yeah. Um, and they showed his stat line. I think he had 15 points, but he was three of 17 from the field. Like oh, he boy. just, he just, it was, it was him against everybody else. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say is that um, I don't particularly have anything I want to pat MSU on the back for in this game because I didn't think, you know, aside from managing to show up and play that game under those circumstances yeah. that shows it's a, a, a mentally tough group, which is, which is nice, I guess. But, um, not a, no player especially stood. I guess Bridges was pretty good. Yeah. But. He's, he's, yeah, he was. And, I uh, it, it was a game that everyone just kind of like wanted to be over. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just like get through. It wasn't particularly a, fun to watch. No, I will say, uh, it was Jim Jackson and Tim Brando were calling this game on FS1. And I applaud Tim Brando for, for handling the open the way he did. Um, but they were, I've never heard two guys like a ab, average, objectively average player like Brad Davison, the freshman. Oh. I'm, I'm, were you listening to the announcing of this game? Because I, I, it was terrible. They just would not stop giving this cred, kid credit. I think he scored four points like i'm not sure he had a steal they're like he's just a little bulldog i love watching him out there like he's aaron craft like <laughs> i don't like he's some gift to the game of basketball and i i'm sitting here the whole time with my buddy and i'm just like what are they what game are they watching and they kept praising tum tum who we will get to in a second is it like what do you think it was like a joe buck situation where his friends like you know, made a bet that he couldn't make this many compliments about. It, well, so if, you know if that it did, he's sitting on some cash right do, now. Do you remember? Do you know about that, right. Joe Buck? Okay, so during the baseball playoffs, his friends used to text him in like words that had nothing to do with me, <laughs> and make him if he could get him into the broadcast, yeah. then then he would they would he would get money. <laughs> 
I we, love that. That's a great game. It makes sense too. So, do you think it was a Joe Buck situation where they were like, All "Dude, right. it might be," but his dad, Mister Davison, probably called him up. Yeah. and was like, "Get my son some burn." <laughs> but um, it just it Wisconsin's not a very good team. The bench um, didn't show up. Well, they yeah, four talking points. about Michigan State, the bench did nothing. Four points. Yeah. Four? It's not good. We've talked about it before. I think one of the things I've sort of settled on with this team, and I may have said this on, on the pod before, but the this team, and this is going to sound worse than I mean it, <laughs> but this team reminds me of this year's uh, Cavs. Oh. Not in a like personnel dynamic oh, whatsoever. These guys that. really love each other, and yeah. you can tell that when they play and how they interact and everything you've ever read about them. But in terms of the way that their team is assembled – like the starting five is ridiculously good. Yeah, the Cavs. It's probably it's better relatively comparatively yeah, 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 yeah. to their competition than the Cavs. But yeah, yeah, it's more of the bench comparison. The bench and the role players for this team are extremely one dimensional. All yeah. of them bring one thing, yeah. and none of them. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say none of them, but at multiple of them are not very good at the one thing that they're supposed to do. Yeah. Like the backcourt. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't believe Tom Tom's on a collegiate team at this point. Um, McQuaid still can't shoot. Been hearing he's a shooter for two and a half years. Yet to see it. He's gotten Kansas seen. game. They've gotten both. Of, yeah, I was there. I know. I remember. <laughs> but they were. They're both awful. Um, Go- Goins, bless his heart, is trying so I will, hard. I will not let anyone talk negatively about Goins. Bec- and not just because I'm like. Because because of last year, and not, of not everything he had to go be, through. Well, that, but but also because he's. You look at this roster at the beginning of the year, and you should not have asked for anything. No, and if he gives you net neutral minutes, that's that's. I what, think he comes out positive, probably, but because he, he blocks net, a lot of shots. But he, actually, what I'm saying is like net neutral, neutral. That's fine. He's fine. I think the two in the backcourt are net negative. I think uh, Tillman is trending towards positive, but he's probably neutral right now. Schilling. And Schilling's probably neutral, maybe positive with his rebounding. And, uh, Carter is kind of, Carter's alive. I feel like that's a step forward for him. We've seen him. <laughs> he actually, lives. He, he lives. He looks like he can barely walk. I actually feel bad for him, but, uh, the bench, I think there are certain, you know what? We're going to get to this in the overarching thoughts. I want to, I want to bed that topic for a second. Well, but we, we, we moved on, you know, the bench didn't show up in, against Wisconsin. We went to Maryland and it was the, it was the starters who didn't show up at the beginning of that game. The, uh, one of the the worst halves of basketball I've ever watched Michigan State play. Just completely helpless Actually, on offense. You, you never want to laugh at your own team. I've done it. Oh, well, plenty of times. But I was laughing and I was like laughing because I was like, what is this? You yeah. guys are so much better than this. Yeah, it was you know? just really bad. And it was one of those things that, that MSU's had to deal with a couple times so far in that the other team came out and just played completely out of their gourds. Yeah. Totally out of their minds. But, I mean, like like we talked about all year, you expect that. Right. People are going to give you that. Right. And and so like, they imagine- actually handled it defensively, like, relatively well. Like, yeah. they blocked a lot of shots. They did a good job on the boards, I thought, like. They were just making shots. Well, End of story. It probably could not have started... The game probably could not have started specifically for one player worse than Cassius Winston, who, yeah. who had three really inexcusable turnovers to the point where I was texting Austin, like, really making me look bad yeah. for standing <laughs> for him so hard last week. And I uh, can't defend any of this because it was just garbage. He played so poorly. And then got two immediate fouls 
on top of each other. Yeah. And then you had to sit the rest of the half, which at first we were all like, good, get him, sit down, let him think about some things until yeah. you bring in your backup point guard who had to play for it 11 straight minutes, mm. 11 straight. And how many points did we score on those 11 straight minutes? I don't know. Somehow 14. That's surprising. I'm actually surprised they scored that many points. That's not okay. That's not good. <laughs> okay, I don't want to make that. That's actually, actually, it's bad. It's it's not good at all, and and we can get into why. Yeah, I want I I will I know, I go will. on a serious diatribe in just a moment here, talking about why and what it means for Michigan State season moving forward. But um, for as awful as they played in the first half, perhaps despite the fact that they had a guy on the floor that really clog things up they play just as probably the reciprocal of that in the second yeah they i mean you came out and and they were down 13 and a half yeah cut it to one and came before the first tv time they were up within four minutes or something like that and you just came out and it was really this kind of borders into the overarching takeaway territory but the resolve that they showed to come back right off the bat and just punch Maryland in the face yeah. on the road in a hostile environment. They were it was loud in they, that building. Because they knew, I mean, if there was ever a time for a team to get an upset, they had had five days rest. Yeah, Michigan State was had played on Friday and had to travel all the way right. to College Park. Yeah, and if you – let's talk about specifics and then we'll get a little more macro – Jaron Jackson is incredible. Jaren continues to be the the I don't he's not the best player. I think Miles is still the best player. He continues yes. to be the most talented player on the floor. Continues to make me wonder. I mean, you see him in the top five now regularly in yes. the NBA draft. Yes. But I mean, I think again, he makes me wonder how there are better players. Like the better player suited for the NBA blocked a ton of shots, including a huge one down the stretch. Made those two big threes as a trailer. I mean, he's he he is he had some big dunks. I mean, he's. He's a super. I think he's a superstar. Um, yes. So he continues to be incredibly good. Langford was really feeling himself. Nineteen points. Love it. He he was a leading scorer on the day. Love it. And and maybe the most important thing, and not just a Cassius Winston thing, two turnovers in the second half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just. It's hard to describe how big a deal that is. And and Cassius Winston was the. He's the maestro behind all of it. I mean. Now we're going to get into the overarching stuff. This team will, and I've said it before and I will say it again, this team lives and dies with Cassius Winston. That is it. He holds the fate of this team in his hand like a tiny little bird. That's it. Bottom line. If this team is going to go do the things that they have the talent and the ability to do, Mm -hmm. it is going to be because of Cassius Winston. Simple. Simple. And, and he can't do it turning the ball over eight times like he did against Illinois. But he can do it turning the ball over, I mean, even five times like he did in this game. But playing smart down the stretch, having this team turn the ball over two times in the second half, just watching them play under control, yep. it was a thing of beauty. It's what we've come to expect from this team all year. And I really think that that he he he's just the deciding factor. And the reason he is so important is because his backup Tum Tum Nairn is so bad. He's so bad. There is somebody sent me a picture yep. of 
you saw that? Like yeah. 10 minutes left in the first half or something like that, or, or coming down the end of the first half. Tum Tum's got the ball yep. top on of the- top of the key, right at the top of the three-point line, and his defender is legitimately playing him two feet into the paint. Well, and and not like because on, he got caught off a screen or something. He's on the Big Ten logo. It's he, Yeah, it's a joke. And so he's just like completely and totally like disres- – he's, he's being disrespected. Like he's become – an offensive liability, and and it's really a big, it's a huge deal because Winston's the best three point shooter in, in the country. Yep. <laughs> First of all, legitimately, percentage wise, yes. in the hundredth yep. percentile, um, and Nairn's got to be right near the bottom. And what it does, the 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 difference between spacing and no spacing is staggering, especially when you bring in guys like Goins and McQuaid with with Tum Tum. Yep. For a team, and I tweeted all this out on Sunday and, you know, got some good dialogue going, but for a team that relies on its bigs to do a lot of scoring and to hit the boards and that relies on getting, you know, a lot of second chances, drawing fouls, going to the free throw line, to ruin that spacing, mm-hmm. is it's devastating. You saw what happened in the first half. They completely stalled out. 14 points. 14 points in 10 minutes from this Michigan State 11. team. 11 minutes. It's inexcusable. It's absolutely inexcusable. Um, and and it, it comes back to Nairn's complete inability to develop a jump shot. His He has no situational awareness. He still turns the ball over all the time. And we said it the other week, he's supposed to be a good defender. I have yet to see him play solid defense consistently. He did dunk in this game. I'll give him that. But it, it's, it is staggering. It staggering was, to me the difference between him and Cassius. It was hard... Um, to watch at the end of the Maryland game, um, totally understanding Izzo using you know the the old offense for defense. But here's the problem with the God. offense for defense: when you do that, unless you have a handful of timeouts, you're taking away your best free throw shooter. So you get a stop. Now you're going to fall Tum Tum, which right. didn't happen. Thank goodness. But we saw Tum in to guard their best player, Anthony Cowan, who yeah. you mentioned was going to be the reason that they were going to be win, beat us or not. Yeah. S- no pick, simple drive to the basket, and Tom falls down. And cool. thank goodness Jaron Jackson is a human mutant yeah. who could come and in one step go from the free throw line to pinning to the, him. Yeah, it's which insane. Well, is insane on itself. Here's the other thing. When you go offense for defense like that, and Tum Tum comes in to press the ball and then turns around and sprints back to his own three-point line, I don't understand. He t- what's the point? Yeah, Why? What, what if Tum Tum's going to be good at something, it's going to be being a little, like, annoying, like, little gnat kind of, you know, getting getting in these guys' grills in the backcourt, but that's not that's not the way they use him. So Well, when you see Maryland uh, roll the ball and, yeah, and, to he's, half court. and he's standing there at the three-point line, it's like, what dude? What are we doing? What, what? are we doing here? Why what? are you playing? Like I, I, I know you can't play Cassius Winston, forty or forty minutes a night, but I, I think you're approaching part of the season where you can only Tum Tum's going to have to play. He's going to have to play ten minutes a game. Uh-huh. There's, there's no choice uh-huh. until the tournament when maybe uh-huh. Cassius plays all forty minutes, but um, he can only do so. I think from here on out, Izzo the coach has to only play him with a certain lineup. Mm-hmm. He, he, You can't roll him and Goins and McQuaid out there. No, not, you, you not have, together. You, no, that ruins 
all your spacing. If you're going to play Nairn, you have to play him with Jaron Jackson, Josh Langford, and Miles Bridges. And whatever other center you want to put out there, be it Ward, be it Schilling, doesn't matter. But he has to play with those three because those three force spacing. Yep. And, and that's it. Well, it, it's bottom line. You can run it. He can still run a pick and roll, like run yes. a PNR with a center. Have your three guys spread out and let listen to me talking basketball to a coach. But like, you can't. You Naren is so deficient offensively that he can, from here on out, if you want to win a national championship, which you have stated as your goal, he can only play with certain lineups. I, I don't. I otherwise you're going to be playing a good team. Mm-hmm. You're going to be playing a team that I don't even know if Maryland's a tournament team. They're not. You're going to be today. playing a good team, yep. and they're going to use that little span. Instead of making it 13 in the first half, that's going to be 26. Instead of instead of in the second half you know, not being able to fight back, they're, they're going to exploit that. It, it, it's never well, – you're never going to get to where you need to get to if you're going to roll out second unit, first unit. It's just not going to happen. You're right, and, and so we'll have to see where the – rotation takes a turn from here because if there was ever a if there was ever ever, ever a, a fire drill of sorts of what can't happen we just saw it um that said i we want we're we dog Nairn because but we will be the first to be on the bandwagon if he can just do something do something and and um i wonder and i'm never gonna you know question a hall of fame coach I wonder, do you have to dedicate time and practice to an offense where you say no one gets to, Tom has to score, right? On this, we have show, show like you know what I mean. We're like Tom has to shoot, so yeah. whatever we're gonna do, Tom has to shoot Listen, on this possession. Here's the thing, though, like to practice it, you're you know? half, you're in February of his senior year. Yeah, it's like you're right. you can't, you're not gonna, te- you're not gonna teach him anything new. So you have to play to his weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Simply put, I mean, you have to you play, play your strengths and you hide your weaknesses. Yeah, and and, and that's it. Like you, you have to, you have to hide him because he has to play. He has to play. I w- I'm going to say, um, you know, as far as you know, the the uh, turnover issue that we have, it's uh, we're averaging 14.2 turnovers a game. It's a lot. That's 248th in the country out of 351 teams. Not, Actually, not, not as great. bad as I thought it was. <laughs> to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not justifying it, but it's not as bad as I thought after I yeah. looked it up. But I would say that if Michigan State, I would, I would be hard. I would bet it would be very difficult to beat a Michigan State team that turned it over 13 times or less. Yeah, against almost anyone. I agree. So they're at 14.2, and I, I hope. I obviously hope I'm not wrong, but I would bet that if they have 13 turnovers or less, that would be the magic number. Now, we know they can win with more. Hi, Illinois. How are yeah, you? Hey. But that was kind of different. A fluke. But I'm, I am I would put the magic number there. Yeah. And I don't disagree with you. I, I, I do want to make one more point. Um, and, and I know this sounds kind of melo, melodramatic, but I really genuinely for as much as I just dogged Tum Tum and and you know maybe seem like I'm negative about this whole thing. I think that that type of win, that win specifically, we might look back and think that that was the pivot point in the entire season. Yeah. Just look at the the, outs- the, the the outside factors. Everything that's gone on at mm-hmm. Michigan State in the last 
week to two weeks, all of that drama that directly involves their head coach yeah. now. Yeah. Um, all of that, the fact that they turned around from an eight, eight o'clock Friday game yeah. to a one o'clock Sunday game, away which game. does away game doesn't happen in college basketball. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Schedule to, uh, makers. Yeah. Thanks guys. Um, good thing we got that big 10 tournament a week early. Um, the hostile environment. I mean, that crowd was on fire. The fact that Maryland got out to a 13 point lead and had all the momentum in the world going into halftime, mm-hmm. uh, all of that stacked up against MSU going into that locker room at halftime. They had to, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if they came out and got blown out of the water a la Ohio state, but they didn't, mm-hmm. they came back. They, they, it's not even like they had to claw their way back in. They came out and they fought back right away. They silenced that crowd. And not only did they get up and they fought, fought their way back to the lead, but then they extended their lead and they closed it out with big free throws and not turning the ball over and playing smart. And I think this team proved to certainly to us and to themselves, you could see it in the way they reacted after the game, but they proved that, I mean, this was as big you could look at this and say this is as big a win as any win they've had this year. They haven't had to go on the road. They haven't had to face hostile crowds. And when they have, they've gotten their asses handed to them. It's, it's an interesting point. You know, one thing that we, or a lot of our fans, we, we only see our side of things. And I just want to point out that there were Mar- some, some slappy Maryland fans, and it doesn't really matter, that wanted, they were calling for Turgeon's head after this game. <laughs> for real yeah it's crazy because they don't they feel like they're a tournament team they feel like they let this one get away i think they did i don't okay. think there's any question about that this would have been a signature win well yeah oh 100 so i just want to put things into perspective sometimes when we dog yeah you know our we're guy st- we're still talking about a 21 and 3 team yeah right? yeah so i i put it on the flip and just re- sometimes they the grass is greener and it's our grass. Yeah, right. And, and so um, another thing happened that I wanted to touch on. On the internet. On the, on the, specifically on the Twitter.com. My man Jeff Goodman um, is watching the game Sunday afternoon enjoying himself and says, um, I always loved Miles Bridges because he can be a matchup nightmare due to his versatility. But nearly half of his shots have been threes this season and he's still having a terrific season. It's a pretty yeah. normal observation. Yeah, very milk toast observation. Whatever. Dan, our man Dan Dackage, out of nowhere, unprompted, hops in, retweets it, and says, quote, has no game. Okay? Jeff Goodman replies, averaging 18 and 7.2. Not sure I would call that, quote, no game. Fair. Again. Fair. Stats, baby. <laughs> yeah. <It's> data. <laughs> Take so, that for the data. So yeah. And then um, Dakich says, please tell me you're kidding. Of course you wouldn't. Those that know, know. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Hey, okay. I coached three games in the Big Ten, all right, buddy? Jeff Goodman replies, if 18 points per game and 7.2 rebounds per game are, quote, no game, what does that make 1.6 points per game and 1.1 rebounds per game, LOL? Dan Dakich like the moron he is, yeah. just snags onto that troll. Yeah, takes the bait and says, "Who's that?" And Goodman jumps right back, and you know he just like, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put those hands together and hit click saying your sophomore year stats, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. You just got dunked on. Body bags. You you got D's nutted, right? Real hard on on the old Twitter. Here's where I'm going to jump in and give my piece on Dan Dackett's just getting absolutely crossed over, stepped on, and then dunked on. Teron Lude. I mean, here's the thing, Dan. And here's and this is coming back to the old knee jerk culture or or fulfilling the narrative that you want to have fulfilled. Hey man, not on this watch. Yeah. We're coming at you, the Jeff Goodmans of the world, the good journalists, we're not saying that's that's crap, man. You don't get to just say whatever you want and not back it up because you subjectively don't like it or right. you have a vendetta or you think that's called trolling and that doesn't make you a good member of the media. No. Okay. It makes you it makes, somebody people don't like. It makes you ignorant. Yeah. And it makes you look it makes you look stupid. It makes everything that you represent look stupid. So basically the Big Ten network yeah. looks stupid because they employ you because you have stupid opinions. And I would be so happy to have a conversation with him in person or on his radio show or whatever it is, because he has no data, facts. He only has opinions. And I would encourage all of us to stop tuning into those crappy opinion shows because it's just subjection. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, Dan package, body bag, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Sleep tight. (laughs) Moving Uh, on. Yeah. Um, I'm worked up. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So let's let's zoom around the conference Um, real quick before we look ahead. Uh, MSU now has about a... 10.5% 10.5% chance to to raise a banner here. They're sitting at 8-2. and two, uh, Looking up in the standings at 9-1 and one, Ohio State. Who, took an L. Who took an L to Penn State. Who saw? Um, and then 10-0 per deal. That game, um, that, that, that L was crazy. That the, was crazy. The, the, the Bates bank Diop, shot. Yeah. Bates, Bates, if you missed it, Bates Diop hits a three to tie it with five seconds left. And Tony Carr... Who, unfortunately, you're going to hear his name a lot on Wednesday yeah. for the wrong reasons, because he's really good. Um, came down and hit a, a banked three at the buzzer at, at Value City Arena. It was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it awesome. was nuts. The best Big Ten it finish. Was of the buzzer year. beaters back to back. It was it was it was crazy. It was awesome. Um, so a good win for Penn State. Good on you for bringing Ohio State a little closer to the rest of the pack. Um, so that's just sort of your your three thousand. 30,000 foot view. But let's talk about the next games. Though. Well, because none of the co- other the rest of the conference matters because everybody's garbage. Yeah, everybody's bad. Because you know who's in fourth place, Austin? Nebraska. Nebraska ball. N- Nebraska ball's in fourth place. And that may, and you would probably say to yourself, huh, they must be having a nice year. They're not. They're not. They're eight and four. Somehow Michigan's sitting there at seven and four. Like, I just don't get it. Uh, it's, it's just, it's weird. When you look around and you see, like, well, I think what's really screwing with the whole league is that Minnesota was supposed to be good. They're not. Northwestern was supposed to be good. They're really bad. Uh, <laughs> Illinois won one game. Iowa's two and eight. They were supposed to take a step forward. Um, I'm Jim Delaney. I'm just saying, like the the the, the three usual the three teams actually not even true. Michigan State and Purdue are the only teams you expected to be good. Ohio State is doing everything they can to surprise. Nebraska's eight and four. I mean, Indiana's bad. Michigan's not bad, but they're seven and four somehow. I mean, it's it's all it sucks. 
<laughs> it's not a good conference. And the fact that Michigan State only has an 11% chance to win is disheartening, but it, we have bigger goals. But here we are. Um, so two games coming up this week. Uh, the first one's on Wednesday when Michigan State hosts those same uh, Nittany Lions mm-hmm. from Penn State. This team is the, if you're a football fan, the Indiana Hoosiers of football. The chaos team. The chaos team and... They're always, you know, maybe next year they're not going to be bad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Tom Chambers over there. Yeah. He has always been one year away, hasn't he? Yeah, it's... And they're... It's Pat Chambers, isn't it? Or is it Tom know, Chambers? Which one of those is the old Phoenix Sun who won the dunk contest? And one of them is the co- <laughs> coach of Penn State. Uh, well, so, Tom Pat. Pat Tom. Man, we're they're just putting bulletin board material. Yeah. Material right Sorry. Um, um, they have a really nice player. Yeah. But to probably first team all Big Ten. He, absolutely. T- Tony Carr. And he's going to be good for a while because I don't think yeah. he has the skill set to take it to the next level um, quite yet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it is Pat Chambers. Yeah. Tom was the dunker. Look him up. He had some sit in those old Phoenix Suns threads. He had a he had a couple of real nice dunks Amazing. in his career. Um, Tony Carr though, averaging nineteen point two points a game, and Stunt. and his usage rate is absurd. It's in the almost ninety eighth percentile. So basically, it means he is everything that matters to their offense. Yeah, like it he comes and goes through him. He has he wins games for them, and after their um, Ohio State surprise win on the road, they jumped up in Ken Palm. Um, all the way to 57th and hanging around the 50s and some other um, some other ranking systems. So they have to be thinking to themselves, what an opportunity here. Another, yeah. again, As road always. game playing with house money, right? Mm-hmm. We don't plan. They're not, there's no illusion. Yeah. You know, they put this game on the schedule and said, we can win that one. All of a sudden, they did it once. And now they say to themselves, we do this again. And all of a sudden, we... Have an, an actual conversation to be had with, mm-hmm. a, with a yeah. You certainly have the the high level wins if that takes place. So that's that's a big one for MSU. Um, I think every game kind of from here on out it like has takes on a little bit of a different tone yep. given everything that's going on. Um, and so you know that's a big one. You got to hold court, and honestly, this wouldn't be a bad win whatsoever for MSU. And this then, is this is the type of win you gotta you gotta bounce back off that emotional win against uh, Maryland with. And then after that game. Uh, we have seven games left in the season, which, wow, that went That's fast. crazy. And five of them are on the road. Yeah, I don't hate it, personally. Um, Get ready. Team, well, I'm, hey, man, you want to you wanna be the big dog, you got you to gotta go on the road and take everybody's best shot at home. And, yeah, they're playing some, some not good teams in the future, but <laughs> – um they do get this conference sucks yeah but the net the, the first big road test uh i think you can make a pretty I, I mean i actually don't even think it's an argument this is the biggest road game they've got left in the season uh at indiana now indiana objectively is not a very good basketball team there's really no way around it they're only five and four in the conference somehow good enough for sixth in the big ten but um, they're objectively just – they're just not very good. You saw what MSU did to them just a matter of weeks ago, putting putting a serious hurt on them. However, they might not be good, but their students are always really loud. And we've talked and, about that before. And they're adults. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like crazy, man. Yeah. it's I mean, basketball is no joke in Indiana. And, and you saw Indiana almost beat Purdue this past weekend Took at home. Purdue to the limit. But I uh, – 
they always I feel like that game's kind of an exception. But well, yes. it's an in state rival, but right. they don't like us either. And, and they're they, gonna yes, so they're they're uh they're not gonna be joking around. So I almost think that you know, if you look at it on paper, it's not even really much of a it's it's not much of a matchup. Indiana's just hasn't been very good. However, when you take into account the home court advantage, um, the fact that they want a signature win. I mean, they want a big time win on their resume um, to balance out the what Fort Wayne loss. Uh, I'm trying to take it seriously. And Indiana State loss. Sorry, uh, but but um, you know uh, this is another great opportunity. And you you know you look at this this season as a whole, and you talk about just how bad the Big Ten has been, and you say, "Wow, are, is Michigan State going to face tough enough competition to be ready for the tournament?" Well, frankly, I think their competition in a lot of ways is playing in tough environments. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely like winning on the, that's, I think that's why winning against Maryland and listen, I don't think Maryland is going to be demonstrably worse. And Indiana is demonstrably worse than a, than a nine seed is going to be in the NCAA tournament. Like I agree. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's six and one half dozen of the other. And I think it's a more difficult game now than it would be in the tournament because you're going to Indiana and winning in those environments and hopefully doing so, you know, if, if you can do that and do it in somewhat impressive fashion, you build up that confidence. And at this point, that's probably the thing that this team is lacking the most yeah. is like a genuine confidence. And I think, you know, because they've had close shaves, they've lost tough games to Ohio state and Michigan, all of the things that are going around around the program. Um, hopefully they can use those circumstances as a chance to band together. And I think you've already kind of seen that and, you know, go into these tough environments and, and have wins like they had against Maryland and, and a win like that. Again, not only will it show that you can win doing the right things, but it just builds that level of confidence. It gives you that feather in your cap where you're like, like we did that. Like we went on the road, we won that tough game. We were getting our asses handed to us and we still came back and yep. we won. And you start piling those wins together. You start talking about beating North Carolina, who say what you want about you know the way their season's gone, but you still you beat a top five Notre Dame team again. Colson got hurt, so they're kind of going down. But like you start to really get this big body of work, and and I think the chance to go to Indiana, albeit not a great Indiana team, and win in a tough environment is uh, is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, are there any games that you think that said, you know, we were chasing <clears throat> Purdue and Ohio state here, but are there anything that hops out at you for the for the end of the week here outside of Michigan state games that we should keep our eye on? The game that jumps it's, out at you here. It's not a great slate. The rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the way. Uh, I do think Maryland Purdue could be kind of interesting on Wednesday night. Um, you know, I think, I don't think Maryland's that bad of a team. Uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're really not, but they're going to have, I swear, if Bruno Fernando would have been able to finish even two of the dunks that he missed uh, oh. on s- Sunday, oh. I think he missed like five. Yeah, um, he if, did. if they can give Haas some trouble, they've got some big guys, it, but it's all on Cowan. If Anthony Cowan is is rolling and getting the ball to Herder and Herder's making his shots, they can beat a lot of teams. Yeah, but uh, they're gonna. That, that's probably the most intriguing game. Um, yeah, I think you're. Right. There's really not much else going on here. We're just looking at the schedule. Uh, if Penn State were to beat MSU, I think their game against Indiana, or excuse me, uh, Iowa, is somewhat interesting because you know if they were to beat MSU, they get to six and five, and then beat Iowa, you talk seven and five, and again you're talking about building a a solid resume. So um, I'd probably say Purdue Maryland, but um, 
I would understand if you sat all of them out. If you were uh, like, I think hey, MSU Indiana is the best game. I of just feel bunch. like a lot of people are like, yeah, no, Austin, great sale. Actually, yeah. why don't you Sorry. just why don't you just tell me what happens, bud? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the box score is going to be entertaining too. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, I want to I want to give you one uh, big question here. Um, we mentioned Tony Carr, uh, or excuse me, the prop bet. We, we mentioned Tony Carr. He's pretty. He's a stud. Um, who's going to have more bridges points and rebounds or car points and assists. Wow. And I can give you a little stats for everyone at home. Uh, bridges averages 17.6 points per game and 7.3 rebounds per game. And car averages 19.2 points per game and 4.8 assists a game. So it's pretty close. Yeah. I am probably going to go with Tony Carr. Yeah. Uh, based on the usage rate, mm-hmm. a he literally accounts for thirty percent of their offensive possessions, which is ins- it doesn't sound like a lot. But that's yeah. insane. Yeah. That's three out of every time ten times on the court he's taking the shot is a lot. Um, so whether he has a good shooting night or a bad shooting night, I think he's gonna have a night. He's yeah. gonna do well. Um, so I'm kind of just playing the percentages there, and then also. Um, Bridges hasn't been shooting the ball tremendously well of late. I thought he shot pretty well down the stretch against Maryland, but um, I, there are too many guys on MSU that could jump up and, and kind of take over a game, whereas Penn State kind of has their their one guy. And MSU has a pr- propensity to let one big player kind of go off for another team. We've seen it here's, <laughs> multiple times. Well, here's hoping that Tony Carr does not have a Taylor Battle-esque Oh, performance. that's not a name you needed to say. <laughs> uh um cool well uh thank you guys for joining us um we appreciate it i know we we cover some subjects that are that are not always pleasant to talk about and and can be hard but uh we implore you guys to to keep asking those questions and to um hold the university and the programs that you love uh accountable um but in the interim you know enjoy enjoy some some basketball uh and support some some young men that deserve your support uh for john kirby i am austin smith uh this has been the only podcast and we will catch you next week thanks today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.